Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, team. Awesome job. Thank you, Ali. Well, yeah, I get to, the privilege to continue on with um, uh, the, the series on the Gospel. And, um, and Prashant did bring a brilliant message yesterday, so meaty. Uh, last week, sorry, <laughs> not yesterday. Did I say yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Hi online, yeah, don't mind me. Um, but this week, my topic is serving others. We're continuing on the Gospel serving others. It's a major part of the Gospel. Jesus, you know, um, clearly demonstrated and spoke about that continuously. But my message title today is a Hebrew word and it's called Shema. You'll see it here on the, here on the screen. Shema is translated in our English Bible as listen or hear. Now you might ask, Graham, what, what does that have to do with serving others? And I'm glad you asked and I really want to answer that question. It's... it's it, if you look at the Hebrew, a Hebrew word, uh, well, if you look at the Hebrew language, it's 8,000 Hebrew words about. And our English language is about 100,000. So every single Hebrew word is like a suitcase. It's full of so much and so much meaning. So it's so hard for us to translate, uh, you know, these sentences and sometimes whole, um, uh, whole passages come from one particular Hebrew word. So the word Shema, uh, to get an understanding of that, it's, it's not just listen, it's to hear the Word of God, take it in through your ears, into your mind, allow it to travel to the heart so it connects with your emotions and then outworks through your hands. It's not just being hearers of the Word, it's being doers of the Word. That whole concept is Shema. So I, I believe that we, uh, and pray that we as a church, uh, we, we are people who not only hear the Word, but we become doers of the Word. We don't just hear what God says for ourselves, for our own benefit, for our own growth, but we translate that into our outworking, Shema. So let me pray as we begin the message. Father, I just thank You for Your Word. It's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, it goes into our souls and it divides between soul and spirit. So Father, I pray that Your words, not my words, but Your words would enter into Your people today. Whether sitting here in person or online, Father, I pray that Your Word would intercede, would touch, it would transform, would bring change into people's worlds today. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, get my glasses on. Dr. Paul Cedar. He's a pastor and author, and he worked with Billy Graham. And he saw firsthand that pastors and Christian businessmen uh, held back or withdrew or didn't really put a lot of support or financial backing or even just planning stages of crusades, citywide crusades. But he saw them manoeuvre themselves and jostle for position when Mr Graham came into town for preliminary meetings. They wanted the best seats at luncheons. They wanted to be on the crusade platform. They wanted to be in the public eye. 
the desire for first place or for greatness is right within our human nature. It's part of who we are. We're always jostling or, or looking for greatness. We want greatness. We want um, affirmation. We want um, recognition. Now, there's nothing wrong with those uh, in themselves because it's part of who we are. There's nothing wrong with, with, with wanting to do great things. There's nothing wrong with being affirmed. We all want to be affirmed by our family uh, and friends. We, we all want uh, to be recognised for, you know, job well done or putting effort into something and being recognised uh, that, that it's, it's done well. But our fallen human nature, our fallen human nature in contrast strives and manipulates for more. It, it wants, it, it's hunger and lust for, for more uh, drives us to, uh, and we have hidden agendas to try to hide our true agendas of wanting more. And, and even at times we fight and tear down others to, to climb to those levels of greatness. And, and you'd, you would think of somebody now that you know in the workplace or someone that you know, um, that's a great picture, a perfect picture of them. And, and if we're honest, there's a little bit of that in each one of us. See, God carries or He holds the scales of justice. He knows the true intent of our heart. He knows our desires and He also knows our weaknesses. So how do we get a picture of what a great life is like? Jesus defines a great life as one that reflects his character. And we see his character most clearly as it's reflected in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ doesn't use his, his status as God uh, as a means or uh, for, for a selfish advantage, but rather pours himself out in service to others. Now, John chapter 13, it's a beautiful picture of this character of this God, of the character of this God. On the night before his crucifixion, in an upper room, Jesus gathered with his closest students in an upper room in Jerusalem to share a final meal uh, with his students. And Jesus sitting with his students, but in first century Palestine, uh, the roads weren't, uh, weren't paved like our own. They were, they were made of dirt. And given the arid desert climate, they would have produced a lot of dust, right? And animals, um, donkeys, camels and stray dogs would, 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 would walk these roads and sometimes dropping things along the way, if you know what I mean. And if you walk those roads in sandals, which was the custom of the day, you're going to pick up a lot of dust, a lot of dirt, and even dung. I guess the closest equivalent to our modern world would be walking along the sand. Now, living in northwest Sydney, you know, we're a long way from the beach. You know, it's a long way to the beach, right? So if I'm going to the beach, I want to make a day of it. I'm packing a lunch. You know, you're getting the umbrella out, you're getting prepared and you head to the beach. But when you pack up to go home, is anyone with me? I'm looking for a foot shower. You know, I need a foot shower. I'm, I don't want to hop in my car 
with sand between my toes. And I definitely don't want to bring sand home. I need a foot shower. Do I have some friends in the house? Absolutely. In Jewish, if a Jewish person was hosting a dinner party in, in first century, and because foot washing was a, was a lowly task, it was considered a lowly task, a, a Jewish person in first century Palestine would hire a Gentile slave or co-opt a woman or a child to do the servile task. And a Jewish person, but on this particular night in Jerusalem, there was no servant. So Jesus is sitting with his students. Um, in the custom of the day, he would be, they would be reclining on their side and they began eating. And here's what happens. In John chapter 13, verse two. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into, the, into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, if we're familiar with this story, the story, the emotional impact on it, uh, on us would be lost. But what, what Jesus does in his day would be absolutely shocking. You see, the, the, uh, the rabbis, uh, they talked a lot about humility, but they valued their social status more. And, you know, in that world, we, we, we don't have any record of uh, any rabbis washing the disciple, their, their students' feet. And I think you, you'd probably find it hard today even to find where uh, teachers or leaders are washing the feet or serving their students. But on top of that, Jesus, uh, according to the custom, they used to wash feet before the meal. Now, the meal had already started as we've read there in, in, in Scripture. And Jesus stops during the meal and starts washing the disciples' feet. So he steps out of the cultural perimeters of the day, what was the norm, what was expected, what, what man's culture or um, the parameters uh, would be. And he, and he steps in to wash the disciples' feet, his students' feet, during the meal. That would have been absolutely mind-blowing. And we see here that Jesus was not fulfilling the laws of man. He wasn't stepping into that position to fulfill the laws of man. He was fulfilling or showing the heart of God. Brendan Manning, a businessman, flew into an airport. As he's walking through the airport somewhere in America, uh, he sees uh, an African-American elderly gentleman shining shoes. And Brendan thought, I need my shoes shine. I'm on my way to a meeting. I, I, I need my shoes shine. So he he sits down and the elderly gentleman starts shining his shoes. As Brendan's sitting there, he thought, when he's finished, I'm going to shine his shoes. I'm going to return the favour. After the elderly gentleman had finished shining his shoes, Brendan Manning got up, he took out his wallet, he paid the gentleman and, and tipped him and then said to the gentleman, please sit down, I want to shine your shoes. 
the, the elderly gentleman says, no, no, you, you can't do that, no. And Brendan insisted, so, no, so I want to polish your shoes. I want to return the favour. And, and the elderly gentleman, cringing, uh, sat down and relented. And Brendan starts shining his shoes. How do you like it? How do you like your shoes shined? And uh, the elderly gentleman with tears in his eyes says, no, no, no white man has ever talked to me like that before. When Jesus came to wash his students' feet, they cringed saying, no, no, you can't do that. But Jesus insisted and they relented. But when he came to Peter, it continues on in verse six, and I'm gonna paraphrase. Peter pushed back. No, no, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, as you can see in Scripture, Jesus says, if I can't wash you, Peter, then you've got no part in me. And, Jesus, and, and Simon says, Simon Peter says, well, wash my head, wash my hands, wash all of me. And Jesus says, relax, you've already had a bath. You only need your feet washed. Jesus was symbolically demonstrating what He was going to do for us all the very next day. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed that we would be bathed, that our sins would be washed away. And, as, and then He says, all you need is your feet to be washed. It continues on here in Scripture, in, in verse 19 of chapter 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should follow, or that you should do as I have done. Dropping down to 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Shema. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Shema. Jesus gives us the responsibility here in Scripture to wash each other's feet. Jesus has bathed us by dying on the cross. He has washed our sins away. He has set us uh, in a place of um, justification. We're clean. But we all pick up the grime and dirt of everyday life, walking the streets of life. We all pick up a bit of negativity. We all work with people that can sometimes tick us off and you know, put us under pressure. We can lose our peace at times. We can get frustrated. We hear a, a doctor's report that, that, that you know, sends us spiralling. Our, our finances sometimes you know, with bills to pay and you know, the pressures of life. We need our feet to be washed by each other. Jesus gave the example that He had cleansed us, but we wash each other's feet. Now, you've heard the saying, we are blessed to be a blessing, but it gives the idea that I will bless others when I'm blessed. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus, He doesn't give you an opportunity to wait till you receive something. He says, what's in your hand? See, Jesus symbolically used a towel. We can pick up a towel. He symbolically grabbed a basin of water. We can all do that. It's not waiting to the, for the right time. It's not waiting for the, you know, for, for the finances to be right or, or, or the, the stars align. It's we can do what we have in our hands and we can wash each other's feet. 
Shema. As we hear and we experience God washing our lives, then we are positioned to wash other people's lives by washing their feet. And that can be a, a word of encouragement. It can be coming alongside, lending a hand. It, it can have eyes, and I encourage us to, to push in for discernment, to see the burdens on people's lives, to be able to step in at that right moment to say, hey, I can lend you a hand. Hey, you know, you're amazing. Uh, you know, and, and, and just giving a word of encouragement, giving, giving something that you have for others to be encouraged. I remember years ago, I took a, away a bunch of uh, guys in my life group and we went away for a weekend. And on the last day, I asked the guys, we sat around in a circle, I said to the, ask the guys, what is it about my life that has impacted yours? Because I seriously wanted to know. What, what is it about my life? And the things that they said blew me away because I, d- I thought they were just natural. I, I, I minimised some of those things in my life thinking, doesn't everyone do that? And then we went around and we mentioned the things that impacted each one of us, every other, every other person in that group, and everyone was blown away by what we take for granted in our lives that impacts others when you come into close proximity, when you come into relationship, when, you, when you're connecting with people. It, it's so, so important. You know, we live in a, in a day and age as COVID has um, really been a pressurised time for the church but it's forced people to lean into God, but in a way that replenishes and rejuvenates you if you know how to tap into God, but then you've got something that you can pass on to others. So we as a community grow together, encourage together, and we lift up together. But you've got to be in close proximity. You've got to reach out and touch someone. Dr. Sigiaki Hinohara, did I say that right? Any Japanese here? Sigiaki Hinohara, I think I said it pretty good. <laughs> he was a physician in Japan. He travelled all over the country. He was a son of a pastor who was a Christian himself, but he travelled all over the island of Japan serving out of his profession as a physician. And he would meet the needs of all kinds of people. But at the age of 58, he was on an aeroplane that was hijacked. And it was on the way to North Korea. And he thought, that's it. I'm dead. I'll be killed. And, um, but miraculously, he was set free. And from that moment on, he decided to dedicate his life to serving others. And he would travel to uh, all over the country speaking into schools and to students. He would, he would go into um, elderly homes and, and, and speak to, um, you know, um, the elderly. And he'd, meet, he'd talk to anyone who would listen in between. And his core message was, serve others and you will flourish. He died a few years ago, 2017, at the age of 105. Can the worship team join me? When we serve others, we reflect the the image of God who serves. Every human being who has been made in the image of God, therefore every human being has the capacity to serve. Those of us who have been served directly by Christ 
a better position to serve others. When Peter experienced Jesus washing his feet and then he experienced the washing away of his sins, uh, he, he was better able to serve because he had first been served by Christ. When we experience uh, our, our feet being washed by Jesus, when we experience our sins being washed away and when we experience what it's like to be made more beautiful, then we are in a better place to serve others. In 2012, there's a photo on the screen of two runners. The Kenyan runner, Abel Mutai, was um, running in a cross-country race and he, he stopped a few metres short of the finish line. And he was confused with the signs and he stopped thinking he had won the race, he'd finished the race. And Abel Fernandez, uh, who was, oh, sorry, Ivan Fernandez, who was behind him, a few metres back behind him, saw what was happening and yelled out to Mutai, keep running, keep running. But Mutai didn't understand Spanish and he didn't understand and realising this, Ivan pushed Mutai to victory. When a reporter asked Ivan, why did you do this? You could have won the race. Ivan replied, my dream is that one day we can have some sort of community life where we push ourselves and others to win. We have been served well by Jesus. We are better able to serve others by pushing them to victory. Mark 10 45 says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Maybe you're here for the first time or you're online first time and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. You haven't experienced the washing of your life and the sins of your life being washed away. Maybe you're in a place where uh, you're drifted a bit away from God. Maybe, you know, you're online there and and you're feeling that the heart, your heartstrings being tugged by the Holy Spirit to, you know, that's you. You know I'm talking to you. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, please. If you are here today and that's you, can I just ask that you lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for? If you don't know Jesus or you've drifted from Him. Just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for and same online. Thank you, let me pray. Father, I just thank You for the life that You lived in the person of Jesus Christ. The demonstration that you showed us how to live and that you look down and you look over each one of us from within our hearts and you know who we are through and through. You know us better than we know ourselves. So Father, I thank you for all that you're doing and for those lives who are making a step, a commitment forward to, to reach out to you. Father, I pray that these first steps would be the beginning of a brand new life 
in you, Jesus' Name. Amen. I just want to finish with Shema again. Shema, there's a, there's a prayer that the Hebrews pray morning and night, and they call it Shema. And there's a few other Scriptures, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands, commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts and on your hearts, me. And they used to place this prayer in little leather pouches and they'd place it on their forehead, tie it on their forehead and place the other leather pouch with this prayer in their right hand. And it was symbolically that they wanted to make sure that the Word of God that went into their mind end up going out through their hands and reaching other people. And when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus added to this by saying, He added to it by saying, love your neighbour as yourself. These two commands are the, together are the greatest commandment. To love God with everything that's in you and to love your neighbour as yourself and your neighbour as anyone close to you. So, so my prayer today and this message today is about having eyes that can see. I love the avatar. Anyone see avatar? And, and, they're, and they're welcoming to each other. I see you. I see you. It's not, hey, how you doing? It's, I, I see you. And we all want to be seen. We all want to be recognised. We all want greatness. But, but as a church, as a people, as a community, let's have eyes that see each other so we can grow together as a community, so we can live together, so we can be uplifted, encouraged. And as we are, then we're able to better reach this world. I really love it that Sanjeev and Jocelyn uh, are now come on, coming on staff as our community arm of, of our Elevation Church. And the momentum that they can build into a community gives us a greater opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. But then we have so much need here as well. And uh, you'll hear a bit more about that from Dala as she comes up. But, but let me pray for you, for your week, and for you online. Just praying you have a blessed week in Jesus' Name. So Father, I just lift up every single person. I pray that Your hand would be upon them. This week would be a special week. Father, as they shema Your Word, the Word that You speak to every single individual would have an outworking that would touch the lives of people around them. In Jesus' Name, Amen.